This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry, bringing to you the Short Talk Bulletin, published by the Masonic Service Association of North America every month since 1923. This, the Short Talk Bulletin podcast, is produced in cooperation with the MSA and is made possible with the generous support of a grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota. This is Brother Michael A. Smith bringing to you Volume 78, Number 6, from June of 2000. Origins of the Knights Templar Written by Most Worshipful Brother Stuart W. Minor, past Grand Master of the Grand Lodge of Virginia. Those who seek light in masonry are often asked to respond to the question, Whence came you? By their answers, they establish the legitimacy of their quest. For the entered apprentice mason, that answer is simply, from a lodge of the Holy Saints John at Jerusalem. The Knight Templar, should he be asked the same question, could reply, from a duly constituted and regular craft lodge, via a royal arch chapter of like origin. If he wanted to be more specific, however, he might reply that he hails from the poor fellow soldiers of Christ and the Temple of Solomon. These alternative responses should cause the contemplative Templar in this day and age to seriously and regularly evaluate the circumstances under which the creation of the ancient Knights Templars took place. Where and why were the Knights Templar organized? By whom was the organization given birth? To what cause was Templary originally dedicated? And finally, how did our ancient predecessors organize and develop their institution? After the re-establishment of Christian authority in Jerusalem in 1099, access to the Holy Land was still encumbered by many dangers. It was to contain those threats and to ensure the personal safety of pilgrims visiting the shrines of the area that a number of organizations, including the Knight Templars, were formed. Among those who assumed such responsibilities were nine French knights who banded together in 1113 under the leadership of Hugh de Payenne. In addition to De Payen, the group included Godfrey de Saint-Aldemar, Roro, Godfrey Bissol, Payens of Montidier, Archibald de Saint-Amand, André de Montbar, Grundemar, and the Count of Provence. We are informed that these nine knights renounced the world and its pleasures, and in the Holy Church of the Resurrection, in the presence of the Patriarch of Jerusalem, they embraced the vows of perpetual chastity, obedience, and poverty, after the manner of monks. At first, we are told, they had no church and no particular place of abode. But, in 1118, in recognition of sustained and exemplary service to Christian pilgrims, Baldwin II, then king of Jerusalem, allocated them residence in the holy city. This residence was situated within the sacred enclosure of the temple on Mount Moriah, amid structures erected, in part, by the Christian Emperor Justinian, A.D. 540, and, in part, by the Caliph Omar, about A.D. 640. This small band of ancient Knight Templars quickly earned the respect and gratitude of Baldwin, who, in 1128, sent Depeyan and several others in the order to Europe to solicit support for a new crusade. While there, Depeyan was received by Pope Honorius, who in response to a request to formalize their organization as a religious military order, 
referred them to the ecclesiastical council that was then in session at Troyes in Champagne. Their petition was received favorably, and a set of rules for the order was established. These rules obligated every knight to a severe regimen of devotional exercises, self-mortification, fasting, and prayer. These rules also prescribed the use of white garments, to which was later added a red cross worn on the left breast. Thus blessed with the approval of the church, the members of the order soon achieved recognition and respect as soldiers of the cross. We are informed that the order was divided into three basic classes, knights, chaplains, and serving brethren. The first of these, the knights, were required to prove that they indeed hailed from knightly families, that they had been lawfully born to wedded parents, that they were unencumbered by previously incurred obligations, that they were neither married nor engaged to wed, that they had not made vows of reception in other orders, that they were not in debt, and that they were of sound mind and body. The chaplains of the order, who were required to meet the same standards as those of knights, were required to serve a one-year novitiate. Having taken vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, they were required to officiate at all of the ceremonies and to provide for all of the religious requirements of the order. The prerequisites and rules for the class known as serving brethren were less demanding. Those in this category were required only to be freeborn, and many serving brethren, while not of noble birth, entered the order after having achieved positions of wealth or privilege. The serving brethren fought in the field with the knights and worked at menial tasks in knightly households. Within this group were two subgroups, the brethren-at-arms, who served as soldiers on the battlefields, and the handicraft brethren, who primarily served the order by exercising their artisan skills. In addition to these three basic groups of the order, two others should be noted. The first of these were called the affilati, or the affiliated. In this group were people of various ranks and of both sexes. While recognized by the order and entitled to some of its privileges, they were not openly connected to it. Finally, there was a group designated as the Donates, or Donati. The Donats included youths destined by their parents to service after the attainment of proper age. It also included adults who, in admiration of the order, had bound themselves for life to aid and assist in its workings. Presiding over these classes was the Grand Master, elected for life by his peers. Next in rank was the Seneschal, the Grand Master's representative and lieutenant. Then came the Marshal, the General of the Order. The Marshal was followed, in turn, by the Treasurer, the Admiral of the Order, the Draper, who was the Order's Quartermaster, and the Tricapolier, an officer identified by Mackey as the Commander of the Light Horse. The Order was subdivided geographically into fifteen provinces, each of which was governed by a Grand Preceptor or Grand Prior. Provinces were all subordinate to the general chapter of the order, where all laws and regulations were made and all officers were elected. Included in the list of provinces were those located at Jerusalem, Tripoli, Antioch, Cyprus, Portugal, Castile and Lyon, Aragon, France and Auvergne-Normandy, Aquitaine, Province England, including Scotland and Ireland, Germany, 
Upper and Central Italy, Apulia, and Sicily. There was no part of Europe, except in Scandinavia, where the Templars did not extend their possessions and influence. From its inception, the ancient order grew rapidly. When de Payan returned to Jerusalem in 1129, after the Synod at Troy, he was accompanied by more than 300 recruits who sought entry into the order. Many of these volunteers traced their lineage to the finest families in Europe. But this was only the beginning. The order steadily gained in strength and influence throughout the 12th century, eventually reaching about 20,000 members at its peak. Hugh de Payan, the first Grand Master of the Antient Order, assumed that title in 1118. Following him in a period that was brought to a close in 1307, when the King of France decimated the organization, were 21 others, elected in the years indicated as follows. Robert of Burgundy, 1136. Everard de Barry, 1146. Bernard de Tremelay, 1151. Bertrand de Blancfort, 1154, Philip of Naplot, 1167, Odo de Saint-Amand, 1170, Arnold de Troy, 1180, Gerald de Ridfort, 1185, Brother Walter, 1189, Robert de Sable, 1191, Gilbert Horal, 1195, Philippe de Plessis, 1201, Guillaume de Chartres, 1217, Peter de Montaigne, 1218, Armand de Perigord, 1236, Guillaume de Senai, 1245, Reginald de Vichier, 1252, Thomas Bernard, 1256, Guillaume de Beaujou, 1273, Theobald de Gardini, 1291, and Jacques de Molay in 1297. Review of the origin and exploits of the ancient Knight Templars in Jerusalem reminds us that it takes only a few spirited individuals, in this case nine, to accomplish great ends. That this very small group was able to work with so much unanimity and concord testifies to the particular strong sense of mission, dedication, and discipline that bound them together, as individuals and as Knight Templars. By their work, they demonstrated, to their contemporaries and to those who followed, that even in adversity there is opportunity for men who are willing to serve without hope of fee or reward. This is Brother Michael A. Smith. A Voice for Freemasonry. And this has been the Short Talk Bulletin Podcast, produced in cooperation with the Masonic Service Association of North America for the purpose of providing a common stock of vetted Masonic information to all of the constituent lodges of all of the member jurisdictions, and is made possible through a generous grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota, who have been engaging and inspiring good men who believe in a supreme being to live according to the Masonic tenets of brotherly love, relief, and truth since 1853.